Hello and welcome to Talking Strength. I'm your host, James McIntosh. Um, and in today's episode, we have myself. Um, this will be the first of hopefully a bunch of episodes going forward where we're talking all things strength training, strength and conditioning, mindset, injuries, and, and anything and everything around um, the pursuit of strength. So episode one is basically just an introduction into myself, um, my background, where I've come from, who I am, the experiences that I've had, um, and I dive into a little bit of the emotional aspect around um, being injured and how that has shaped my uh, coaching career. So without further ado, listen up. Um, I appreciate it if you can uh, share this. And yeah, hopefully we can get some more more under our belt and um, get a lot more conversations going around talking strength. So my story. My story is is very simple but very complicated story. Hey, Ziggy. Um, basically, how I came into this industry was was through most, I suppose, male, um, the same way that most males would have come through. Um, they played lots of sport in school. Um, unfortunately, in school, I was always injured. So, you know, I broke every bone possible. I had multiple concussions. I had you know, kicks to the head, I had broken fingers, I was sick, I fell through a window, it sliced up my wrist, I kind of, I kind of was always just in the wars, um, and that, that seems to have uh, progressed with me in terms of my adulthood and in my later life, um, and it's been a blessing in disguise, um, from that I've been able to find what I'm most passionate about, and that seems to be working with people, athletes, wh- whoever, um, to mitigate their risk of injury as best as possible and to kind of keep them functioning and keep them um, keep them going and keep them moving as best as possible, even if that means that we have to take a step backwards to two, take two steps forward and, um, you know, regress certain movements so that we can still create some form of training environment and, and whatever it is. Um, and it seems to be something that I'm really good at, not just from like a, a programming side or not just the, you know, finding an exercise that you're able to do, but a lot of the time it comes down to the emotional and mental side of it. Um, having lived through quite a few injuries myself, I've come to realize the the hardship that um, an injury puts on you from an emotional perspective and, and the... Um, the consequences of that injury and, and what it can do to you as a person um, and especially as an athlete. So for me, um, I suppose one of my bigger injuries to start with was in my final year of, of school, I I was hit in the back of the head with a knee in a sports game. Um, and a very long story short from that is I landed up with a bit of um, brain damage. Um, so... At that point in time, I'd taken quite a few uh, hits to the head, um, and the knock-on effect, excuse the pun, um, created a very, very high concussion syndrome. Um, 
to the point where it was very difficult for me to remember what had happened the day before um, and up to about six to eight months prior to, to the injury as well I had um, trouble remembering what what had occurred so that was my first I suppose introduction to major injury um, from a, a, a perspective I was playing a, a high level of sport at the time and this injury stopped me from from continuing in the sport um, and unfortunately I think at that time I was just a bit too young and naive and my knee-jerk reaction was well I don't want to go into exercise science and I don't want to go into uh, sport and that's what I did um, I completely rejected it and I, I went into a I call it a similar field because I see personal training and, and strength and conditioning and coaching as uh, the people business as a, a business in terms of human interaction and connection and, and connecting with people so I naturally progressed to emergency medicine um, so as a paramedic and I found myself on the front lines in South Africa in a very interesting environment um, at the same time still trying to pursue some form of, of physical endeavors because being physically fit obviously one it, it's just been ingrained in me and two it was it would help us within the the jobs that we were doing um, and while I was on that path I started to realize that I had um, that I had digressed from what I, I really wanted to do and that was being involved in in sport and coaching and and physical exercise um, and I slowly started making my way back to that environment where I was lucky enough to to be able to study while I worked um, and then also just found some internships and found some some um, some avenues that allowed me to kind of drive and, and pursue this passion um, and from that I found or well, I continued my, my love of strength sports which brought me into powerlifting and weightlifting which I then devoted myself into um, and you know did relatively well at it, it took me about two three years um, managed to get the call-ups for South African the, the South African squad for Commonwealth in 2015 for powerlifting um, and at the time of the call-up I, I had been diagnosed with a labrum tear so for people who don't know what a labrum tear is basically a labrum or it was labrum of the left hip but the labrum is basically a shock absorber within the hip cavity that stops the the head of femur from smashing up into the the bone so it sits on the inside over here um and i looking back on that now i, I start to really see how i was molding my my passion and love for for injuries and working around injuries and working with people of injuries because I, I had to adapt i had six months to prep or continue my prep i suppose um dealing with quite a, a devastating injury um and at that time you know we made i made do i made sure that i could still squat i made sure that i could still deadlift um i just i incorporated different means and you know i did different things there was a point in in my one training cycle where um from the paramedic side i had access to um an analgesic gas so basically like a, a pain killing gas 
And um, as stupid as it sounds, what I ended up doing is I'd sit in front of my squat rack with my a bright orange canister and I'd take a hit of this gas, or Intonox, take a hit of the Intonox, quickly run over, it would last 30 seconds, 45 minutes, run over to the squat rack, do my squat, rack it, come back and sit down. And, and that allowed me to, it was probably very unhealthy for me at the time, but it allowed me to, to get my squat training in and, and manage the pain at the time. And it's it, like thinking about it now and looking back on it, that was very stupid. And I, I, d- I don't, I don't um, suggest anyone goes and, and does that at any stage. But that's the that's the commitment that I was willing to do, and and that was part of part of the process of what I had to learn. So, anyways, I went to uh, went to Commonwealth. I did averagely okay, um, and I came back and I had the the first surgery to repair it. And around that first surgery, you know, I continued to try and train, and I started working working ways to be able to train mostly upper body at that stage, and going to my re- rehabilitation. And unfortunately, things just didn't didn't align um and i um the the surgery was deemed i suppose a a failure um i rejected the anchors that they had used to put into the put into the the hip to help um keep the labor up there so they could bind with the bone again um so i was booked in for my second repair and a revision so they went in and did that um, and it seemed to be okay at the time um, and I started, you know, the rehabilitative process again, and this is this is about four months down the line, um, with the sights with my sights set on basically coming back to powerlifting and coming back to being able to weightlift and, and compete at a a national level again and um, compete for the rest of my life. That was kind of as much as it shouldn't have been. Powerlifting was my identity, and that's part of what I, I hope to be able to speak about on this is is how. Um, the identity of or something becoming an identity is a is both good and very dangerous um because without that that entity or that identity you 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 feel very lost and very um not you unfortunately when when you've put such a hierarchy on that um that one thing so i continued um re- through the rehabilitative process of that and and Something just wasn't right, um, and it got to the point where I was e- experiencing pain that I I cannot describe to anyone. I never will be able to describe to anyone because it was it was so severe. I couldn't I couldn't lie still in bed without being in excruciating pain, um, and it was it was a very difficult time in my life. Um, and it was very difficult to try and explain to those around me, my my family, my support system, because um, I became very just depressed, and and it took everything out of me to be able to just function because I was in so much pain. No matter what I did, I felt pain. It was there. I I could get no relief from it. I'd go to bed, you know basically crying myself to sleep because i knew that the next morning i'd i'd have to face this pain again and that th- there was no resolve from that side and um you know it, it it was very rough from that perspective of 
I had so many people around me, but no one could understand or no one could help me. And it was probably the most frustrating thing as as both an athlete and, and just a human being is is being in an amount of pain that there was no resolve. Like no one had a an idea of what to do. No one could tell me what was wrong. I was in and out of, of various different tests, different doctors' rooms, MRIs, CT scans, uh, injections, you name it. Um and there was just no relief. It and it got to the point where one night I sat there and I was just like, I just this this isn't worth it. This really, really isn't worth it. And you know, it's it's not something that I think of that's ever crossed my mind from that side. And I I hope this comes across as you know. I hope this helps someone trying to identify with pain. But it's I unfortunately you know I, at the time. Um, I lived in South Africa. I carried carried a gun for personal protection at that time, and there there was definitely times where, you know, I looked at it and I said, "This that's the only way that that I can end this pain." Um, and yeah, I, I I'm glad that I had the power to not, um, because it would have been it would have been an easy option for me. Um, and I can, I can see how it is an easy option. I can see how it's f- when when you've gone so far down that rabbit hole of being in pain for so long, and not having any type of of cure or um, ability to find some kind of of resolve. I, I, I can easily see how you just pick it up and and you do what needs to be done. And I'm. I'm just lucky that I I had a a really good, you know, mom and dad who were constantly concerned about me. Um, And to be honest, I'm not not 100% sure why I didn't. Um, Because I think it got close. It definitely got close at times. um, And I'm just glad that I I never did. don't think I've ever really told anyone that anyways um from there I um uh, I eventually got a second opinion out of uh, South Africa over here in Australia um and basically what what long story short from it is I started having what's called AV necrosis of the head of femur so the head of femur the femur itself um wasn't receiving enough blood flow supply so what it started doing is it started going into a necrosis and starting to to die basically so i was rotting from the inside i suppose um and you know at the age of 23 i had a a full hip replacement not something you not something you you really think would ever happen to you at, at that age and um man i was just being tested the universe was like we're going to throw everything at you to put you in the position that you currently are in. Um, and through that hip, I mean, I, I remember coming straight out of the, the surgery that the and being in so much pain from the operation, but that overall pain, well, that pain that I was experiencing from what whatever it was, the AV necrosis, whatever it was, was gone. And I could feel that there was a different pain. 
I didn't care that it, it was painful from, you know, having the bone chopped off or, or being worked on. It was, it was a different pain. I was like, I can live with this. I can do this. I can, I can move on. I can, like, I can just go ahead and I can make this happen. Um, and I started the, the rehabilitation process from that side and, and then, man, that, that was another challenge in itself. Um, but in saying that, that rehabilitative process allowed me to really dive into the, the space and the field of um, adaptive training and starting to find different ways that you can still create a, a similar stimulus um, and working around injuries and the mental perspective of, you know, I, I went back to squatting, for example, and, and I remember the day that I squatted a, a five kilogram plate. I goblet squatted a five kilogram plate and it was like, I got more joy from that than hitting a, a, a 220 squat on the platform. Like that's that's how how amazing it was. And I every time I, I work with athletes now, I work with, with general pop or disabled athletes or whatever it is. And I, and I see that spark in the eye after we've managed to rig a system up or whatever we've we've managed to do to create a a movement pattern that they didn't think they would that they could get into i see that spark and i remember that feeling and that's that's been an amazing thing for me and it's without having gone through this injury i don't think i would ever i would never appreciate or fully appreciate what what that's like to to people um so that was a a long a long recovery and uh, about a year year to 18 months post-operation or post-full hip replacement, I was back to, to squatting under a barbell. Um, and that felt so good. I was just, I, I had a bit of pain um, about 18 months later in the quad. And um, to me, that was fine. Like I could handle that. There was nothing. I could just carry on. I could live my life. I could kind of run, which was more viable, to be honest. I could, uh, I could move. I was moderately pain-free. Um, and I just had life back, which was was amazing for me from that side. And um, I remember walking into the surgeon's office for my two-year checkup. And for the last, I don't know, f- four weeks prior to that, I'd had been having a pain in the, the quad and kind of up into to hip flexor region. It was just uncomfortable. And I was like, man, this is just, it just feels a little bit shitty. And, you know let's just get this this checkup over and done with and then I can kind of I'll, I'll go see the sports um, sports therapist and kind of you know get it loosened and we can kind of take it from there and um, I sat down in the surgeon's chair and he looked up at me and he started crying and when he started crying I just like my whole heart sank and I just teared up and I just knew something was wrong and um, and um, basically what had happened is I had what's called prosthetic loosening where the prosthetic hasn't bound with the bone correctly um, and it's now started to increase the space within the the head of or within the femur and start coming loose and um 
that was actually why I was starting to have all that pain into my leg and up the hip flexor um, was basically the body started rejecting the the, uh, the implant. Um, and I remember leaving the hospital de- devastated. Um, and I got in my car and I remember driving away from the hospital and, and you know, my dad lived in, in Australia at the time and I remember phoning him because he's he's also had a a, a full hip replacement from from other um for other reasons I suppose and I remember phoning him and he answered the phone and I was I was just in tears and I just said, you know, I've gotta go through this again. And I I I don't, at the time, I remember the feeling perfectly. Like it was, like like I'm experiencing it now. Is I sat there in my car, honestly not knowing if I could do this, if I could go through it again, and it, it was devastating to me. And I, I drove around for th- 20, 30 minutes, just crying, not knowing where I was going, not knowing what I was going to do. Um, and I I somehow landed up at the um, the rehab center that was looking after my, my rehabilitation. And I walked into the center and I turned the corner and all of the, the bios and uh, physios and, and basically everyone that that was there was was standing there and I walked in and I just I just collapsed um and I just I I just couldn't believe that I had to do this all over again and it was it was frightening I didn't want to have to go through the pain I didn't want to have to go through the last two years worth of rehab like it just felt like everything that I'd done was all was for nothing like it was it was for nothing um and man it was probably the hardest day of my life that that day sucked being told you have to go through everything that you've done all over again it was rough and it it hurt more than anything and um i uh the the second surgery was then booked and um i landed up going through and, and having the operation done and with that there was a few more complications where i had um the psoas or iliopsoas tendon was then rubbing against the implant so i i was then booked back in about four weeks post that second surgery and um the psoas was then uh, released is what they call it so they basically create a little slice in the psoas so that it can move freely um, and at the same time it was found out that I had something called what is it called it they call it MO it's myositis or whatever it is basically what it is it's it's your body's am- amazing way of um, of your your body turning muscle into or calcifying muscle or turning it into bone because it's received too much trauma so your body 
our bodies are amazing from that perspective it's it basically decided that um it had had enough um there was way too much trauma that had had been placed under this one aerial joint and um it was going to calcify the muscles around there so i landed up having to go through some radiation um and some radiation therapy just to to slow that down and and stop that um which was then done whenever it was two two and four weeks post that that second operation and and from there my my rehabilitative process could begin again um and it was it was tough i mean it's coming up on now i think in three months time it'll be two years again um and to say it's been easy would be a lie, especially considering in the last six to eight months I have had it checked up and there's once again signs of some form of, of rejection or some form of loosening occurring towards the upper part of the stem, um, which means that at some stage at some stage, I will have to have that, that third revision done a lot sooner than than what it should be um and i suppose in this last period of time I, i've started to find or started to be able to relate better with my clients and my my athletes and this is this is part of this is part of the whole story and i suppose this is why i'm telling this is is being able to to draw on your own experiences and draw on what you've had to deal with and what you've gone through as a coach um really matters to the person that you are working with um i think sometimes that matters more than the qualification that you hold and i say that respectively you know there's there's many 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 smart people out there and, and many you know people that are, are way more qualified than i am and I strive to educate myself and to make sure that I have some form of, of intellectual capacity around the subject. But I think what a lot of coaches are missing is is their actual skin in the game. Being able to say to, to an athlete or a coach or being able to relate um, as a coach to to your clients and turn around and say, I know I have a similar or have had a similar experience and I understand the emotion attached to it. Not to say that you know how they feel because, you know, no one knows exactly how another person feels, but to be able to relate, relate to them with, with the experience that they are currently going through, I think is, is, is gold as a coach. Um, and to be able to use your, your own experiences to identify, to, to identify those own experiences that you've gone through and be able to to reflect on them and help your clients going forward to to go through the experiences and the feelings and the emotions that is needed, especially when it's coming off a um a, an injury and you are trying to work your way around an injury and get, and get yourself back to field of play. I think being able to to understand the emotion that the athlete or client is going through is 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 very big as a coach and um 
<coughs> I think um I think not many people talk about that side. Um being able to relate to your your clients' experiences from injuries to successes to to whatever it is. I think more coaches need to stop being scared of not having a qualification or a physical piece of paper that um they're not good enough because they don't have that qualification, but they actually have the skin in the game. Um means a lot more to clients sometimes than just being able to say that you're a qualified whatever. Um and I think that's part of the experience that I try and bring across to all of my clients, my onlines, my you know, the athletes that I work with, the the general pop that I that I manage to to just get moving again and, and mitigate the, the risks of injury and when they do have an injury be able to kind of work around it and work with them both from the physical and mental side um, I think is huge um, so yeah I suppose that's a little bit of me um, without going too deep into it I suppose um, but yeah 